get yeah. stuck indoors with your significant other uh, other utter you can also have an utter um hello mother hello father here i am in camp granada um and not drive yourselves crazy i mean we did uh, my wife and i we drive we drove ourselves crazy but oh yeah no we're just here chilling together watching netflix and just talking crap is, is she standing in front of you listening it's okay blink twice if you're not okay <laughs> hey welcome back to too hard too fast the podcast with strong opinions and a new mic about things that we may or may not know too much about in order to broaden perspectives in today's podcast we have a guest co-host who is also the guest because i'm going to be asking him questions about his life we have aron mejia aka flame fingers on the social medias actually also we should say that he is from the future because he's actually we're recording on a saturday me he's sitting on sunday morning so it's tomorrow it's tomorrow how's the future feel it's it's too early to feel things right now for him it's too early aron is in vietnam by way of honduras i said that way too like englishy I'm gonna say he's in Vietnam by way of Honduras. There you go. There you go. So we're gonna learn about Aron Mejia and what he's doing in Vietnam, why he's there, and what he has done with his life. Also, he's gonna ask me questions. I don't know what's we're, what we're doing. We're just shooting from the hip. So sit back, buckle up. Let's go. Too hard, too fast. Boom. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome to Too Hard, Too Fast. Too Hard, Too Fast. Too Hard, Too Fast. Too Hard, Too Fast. Welcome to Too Hard, Too Fast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Too Hard, Too Fast podcast. The podcast where Jorge tells you two minutes before recording this that you need a tagline for the podcast. And here we are, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show. <laughs> the podcast of the century. <laughs> All right, first question. Right off the bat, we usually ask, "What are you drinking?" I, since it's nine in the morning here, <laughs> I am drinking. After a Saturday, may I say, I am drinking Revive Chiang Mai, which is uh, basically your knockoff Gatorade with salt and lemon. <laughs> and I'm also some. Say hi, C2, which is just some nice iced lemon tea or iced tea with lemon. Hey, uh, that's what I'm drinking. Just so you're doing, off. you're doing the, the recovery after a too hard, too fast. I am doing a recovery from too hard to pass night. Yes. <laughs> um, that revive, does it already have salt and lemon in it or you added it? No, no, it has. So it says Chang Mui, which Chang is, is lemon. And moi is salt in Vietnamese. And so no. it's like a really nice, it's like a really nice drink. I like it a lot. I like, I usually drink it on the regular because it's very hydrating, but it's also very flavorful. So I like it a lot. Nice, nice. So, I mean, obviously I have no idea from a, uh, what it is or how, what it tastes like. But we like to give a too hard, too fast review on it um, from 1.0 to 2, using decimals, obviously. Um, what would you rate that drink from the price point 
And usually it's price point versus alcohol content, but obviously it does not have that. Uh, like price alcohol point, content is zero. <laughs> what would you give it? Oh, you know what? What would you give it as a recovery drink from the alcohol beverage? I would say it's definitely up there. I would say it's a 1.7 maybe. Because it's, it's, it's tasty. It is, I feel hydrated after I drink it. And it's cheap as hell. So yeah, I would give it easily a, a, a 1.7. A 1.7. Um, would you rather have that or Gatorade? this surprisingly nice. when i first came here like that was one of the, th the first things that i was finding like an alternative because i was like all right cool i'm in Vietnam. i'll be probably going out a lot so like i need a way to revive and then revive came along it was fantastic <laughs> do they I, sell I, i'd rather do they sell what gator do they sell gatorade over there they do but it's expensive as hell it's uh, at least three times the price because it's important Oh, yeah. So it makes sense that it would be a little bit more expensive, but this one's cheap. And I, I think it beats Gatorade because I will drink this without being hungover. I would never drink a Gatorade be just because. That's true. And I wouldn't, I, actually, I don't ever even drink Gatorade other than being like, I really went too hard too fast and I need something to just get me over that edge. Or Put it like, in I me. Just Put went, it in me. Yeah. Or I went to like, the gym and I like threw up afterwards, but I haven't gone to the gym lately. So, you know, don't judge me. I got that Rona weight. I had who's, the Rona weight before who, Rona. <laughs> so yeah, who, who's judging you? <laughs> um, all right, good. That's a, that's a new for two or too fast. I went to the store and bought this little guy. It's called screwball. And underneath you can't see in little words, it says peanut butter, whiskey so i am curious to see if it really tastes like peanut butter that, that's interesting you know like i don't drink beer at all and also like i'll drink beer if i'm out socially but maybe one beer and i'm done but when i went to cincinnati last time i didn't bring back a piece or a, a little piece of souvenir from one of the craft beer places that i went to which is called a Sweet Baby Jesus, which is a peanut butter beer. Because just for the simple fact that I constantly say Sweet Baby Jesus. And so I saw it and it was like, I need to have it. It's like, this needs to be mine. And it's just been sitting on top of my fridge for the last two and a half years. And it'll keep sitting on top of all my fridges for the next life. <laughs> nice, it's in a can or in a bottle? In a bottle. Nice. That's awesome. In a bar, um, sorry, my brother. I was gonna say my brother lives in Cincinnati, so I was. I wonder what. I wonder if they even have it. Like I went last time to visit him, but I think nah, It's been it's been earlier than two years. That's pretty cool. So you're just gonna you're just gonna leave it there. Just never taste it. I'm just I'm just gonna keep it there. Yeah, I have no interest in tasting it because it sounds terrible. Peanut butter beer, <laughs> but. The label was nice and the bottle looked pretty. And I was like, yeah, no, that's that's just something that's at my home now. <laughs> I I have never heard of peanut butter beer, but lately I've heard it like in the past month, I've heard it at least three, four times as people people making beer really? uh, or peanut butter beer. 
Yeah, and then we even had this brewmaster on the podcast, uh, maybe like last month or so, where he makes peanut butter beer. And it's the, no, not he, like one of his uncles, who also is a brewmaster at a different brewery, they have peanut butter beer. He makes churro beer. <laughs> and I know you're thinking churro. <laughs> I make fun of it. <laughs> but uh, you, have you ever had a churro? I don't know why I went like that. <laughs> yes, I've had a churro. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yogurt, so, yeah, I wonder what that tastes like. And actually, I was supposed to be at their brand, uh, at their grand opening this weekend, but I was like, nah, it's too far to drive. I'm sorry, I can't make it. Um, blame I'm it on the busy person. What's up? I'm a busy person. I can't make um, it to you. To your churro beer opening. Uh, I just I, didn't, I couldn't drive nine hours though. You know, so oh, I no, blamed it on much. the pandy. I blamed it on the pandy. I said, you know, the pandy's going on. I can't really. Nobody should ever drive nine hours. No, that's crazy. It's it's one of the things that I find interesting about the USA when we're how people over there will drive easily twelve hours and be like, oh yeah, it was just twelve hours. I was like, no, that's insane. Like in twelve hours, I could literally have crossed four countries across my little piece of land. Like no. Like, why would you do that? Exactly. It, it will, and and in, in Texas alone, you drive nine to eleven hours. You're still in Texas. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah. that's terrible. Yes, I, I did the I did the trek once. Oh well, that one time that I was in Cincinnati, uh, I did the drive from Dublin, Ohio, all the way to Chicago, or no, from Chicago to Ohio, and it was the single weirdest drive I've ever had in my life because uh, the sun kept setting behind me for easily three hours and <laughs> I, I, I just kept going like am I going crazy is it am I just really driving slow and the sun the sunset's not happening what is happening <laughs> here because it was during summer and so I kept driving and and I kept snapping and I remember making a little snapchat story about it I was like all right, cool. It's 5 p.m. Look at the beautiful sunset. Cool. Look, it's 7 p.m. now, and it's still sunny. It's like, <laughs> oh, no, I just crossed the time zone thing, so now it's 6 p.m. again. Guys, what is happening? When is this going to end? And it kept going all the way till like, 10.30 at night when the sun finally went down. I was like, where the hell am I? Like, like somebody explained this to me. It's it just broke my brain. <laughs> It, it just broke my brain that I had seen a sunset for easily four or five hours. And I was like, like, like what? It's like, no. Hey, we're going to get into the Snapchat. We're going to get into your traveling. Uh, but we're going to get rid of this uh, review right here. Dude, it honestly smells like peanut butter. It tastes like peanut butter. It tastes like that cheese. I don't know if you've ever had like. That cheap peanut butter that you you can scoop like it's in a, like you open it up and then you scoop it with like wow. the little crackers. Yeah, so the little sticks and it's like yeah, mm, yeah they taste like there might be some like thirty day old peanuts in here. I can see a peanut butter, but I would actually buy this again. So I would give it a one point and probably buy it in a big bottle. One point six five, one point six five, which is pretty high up. That was pretty good. I mean, how what's the what's the value for it? Well, it's a little bottle, so I th I think I pay like a dollar ninety nine. So 
That's pretty. That's pretty good for like a little small shot. Yeah, it's thirty five percent. That's the only thing. Like it's five percent off from my from my requirement of forty percent. <laughs> but it's not much. It's that sugar that gets you. Yeah. It's not bad. I would buy it. I would buy it as a as a party thing. Like you know, once we can actually hold bigger parties. But hey, you know what I have? I have peanut butter whiskey. Boom. Here it is. Yeah, it's definitely like a conversation ball, starter. Yeah, have yourself a screwball. Um, all right, so that's that. Oh, let me open up my real drink over here, though. All right, so you mentioned Snapchat, and I wanted to say you and I have been friends for at least four years without ever really yeah, yeah, yeah. Roughly, I think four years, because it was definitely before I came to Vietnam. Uh, I think it might be even like around five years or so. Yeah, around four or five years. Like, and but I've never met you in person. I think this is the most personable we've gotten. Like, we talk a lot on on social media, and we met through Snapchat because of Snapchat. Like, I was trying to be Snapchat famous. You were a lot more popular than I was, and. We kind of just like kept talking, and I don't I don't use Snapchat as much anymore. Every now and then I'll post something, but not really. Do you still use it? So, no, I, I stopped using it maybe what was it? Almost almost three years ago, I think. It was when when the big new update hit, and that that hit a lot of content creators, where it just made our work a lot harder. And for me, I wasn't really making money off of it. I just did it because I liked it, and so having Snapchat make my work harder, uh, it, it just it just kind of, that was that was the, the, the drop that spilled the glass. I was just like, no, you know what? I'm done. And I, I stepped out. It was, it sucked, but it was, I felt it was time. It had been already, it had been coming. Like a lot of us had already seen it in the distance that we were like, all right, this is going to change. This is going to be terrible. And a lot of us just stopped making content, which is unfortunate. Yeah, because it was like, like especially for you and a lot of people that I followed, you guys were artists on it, like, like really like detailed stuff on it. And actually, I met you because of uh, I don't know if she'll mind me throwing the name out, but um, Jesse or Aaron. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I I, I think that's her. Uh, I was looking up her like. Instagram name because that's where I see her, but I know she has a full name. But I'm not, I'm not sure if she's comfortable with the full name being out there. So I'm just throwing that one out. Um, no, but Jesse, yeah, Jesse, we met through Jesse because she was making, she was uh, hosting for like a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, Snapchat creators. I remember we were making something together. Yeah, uh, and I can't remember. Yeah, so it it was nice, and like now she's still making a lot of content on Instagram. Like she's been making a lot of like handmade stuff, which is amazing. Oh man, she's awesome. I'm gonna put her Instagram on here. I think her art is amazing. Like all her work is awesome. <laughs> um, but she's when she first she actually sold me on you because she was like, hey, I want you to meet this guy. I want you to watch this clip of him, and I think you were on some talk show. I don't know if you remember that, but I remember watching you on the talk show explaining how Snapchat works. Am I right or am I wrong? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
God, it's been so long since that. I haven't thought about that in forever. That was my one claim to fame going on TV to talk about Snapchat, which was odd because it was clear that the people who were interviewing me had no idea what I was talking about. And so they kept trying to jump in. And I, it, 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 was, it was a very odd moment of having to be like, no, no, just let me talk. Just let me do your work. It's fine. You don't need to ask questions. I will just talk and and then you can cut to something else because it was it, it it was people around my age that didn't know how to do social media and they are in they're in the media so it was just the most it, it was really weird for me to be like talking to people who were supposed to know about this and they were asking me really ridiculous questions that just made me like okay cool <laughs> the well I'll be one to know that I was a late starter to Snapchat. Um, people were trying to convince me. I don't know what I was doing on social media or what I was. I wasn't trying to be social media famous at all. I just, I what I wanted was somehow to start an organization that would help people. And I think that's the, still what I'm trying to do now. Like even with this podcast, like if this can help somebody, whether it's entertainment or, you know, like we say, broader in a perspective or a new way of thinking, any way promoting somebody or something, all I want to do is help somebody. Um, and that's where I was. And some people were like, you should do Snapchat. You should do, and I was like, no, nah, I don't know what that is. I don't want, I hate downloading apps on my phone. Like the less apps I have on my phone, the better. Um, Damn uh, kids, I know. Snapchats and YouTubes. Exactly. Uh, get out of my yard. Dang, I forgot where I was going to go with this. Oh, I want to, like, so these people, you said you're around, they're around your age um, and they don't know what kind of questions or what you were talking about. What got you on the show? So I, I studied in college with somebody who was working there. Uh, and so she had been following me on social media and she had seen everything that I was doing. And so the idea that she pitched me was to talk about social media for companies and and what were the possibilities what was happening and just give like a, a very broad landscape of what of how the game was changing thanks to social media and uh so so she had been talking to me about this and like pitching me some ideas and i was like you know what like cool it's fine i have some time uh i have some time and let's do it and let's put it on the books and she just brought me in and and, and we i got interviewed for it it was really fun but it was just a little bit surreal as well. But I'm I'm immensely grateful that she was like, look, this is something that people should actually know. Like, can you come on the show and talk about it? Do you think you got any like new followers because of it? I did. I actually did because back then when I was creating content, most of my following was not in my own country. It's like it, it was the trippiest thing. Like most of the people who were watching me were friends from around the world or people that I had met through other content creators. And so having that opportunity to get more people from my own country listening in and, and interacting with me, it was really cool. Because then I, it got to a point where sometimes every now and then, like once every three months or something, somebody would see me on the street and be like, hey, you're filleting fingers. And I'd be like, ah. <laughs> I'd be like, yes. Yeah, that is about it. Like but, I think about that. So I get nervous about it, and I also get like excited. Like when that one time, if there's ever gonna be that one time, when like it's like, hey, too hard, too fast, you know? Um, it will, man. It will. 
I'm sure. I mean, I'm not. I'm not gonna like sit here and ponder about it and be like, oh, oh I just want to be recognized. Uh, <laughs> but speaking of being recognized, I just saw your picture in the back um, from Morty. Yeah. Uh, right. Damn, Damn it, Rick. Rick. Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty. Guy. Yeah, Rick and Morty. Did you do that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I've painted most of these, I think. Uh, so I painted that one, this one. Uh, oh, yeah, I've actually painted all these except for that one. That one, my fiance gave it to me for my birthday two years ago, I think. Oh, so just, she, did she do it or did somebody else? Yeah, yeah, she she painted it. Yeah, it's like this is a household of art. So we That's my favorite one. That's my favorite one. Yeah. <laughs> we paint a lot. Uh, we're we're about to we're about to move. So these are all in like a little ledge, where the cats unfortunately walk around all the time. And so every now and then we'll be bonked by one of them. Uh, but we are moving next week, and we're finally gonna put them up in on the walls. So I'm very excited about that. So after social media, after social media, after Snapchat, um, do you still want to do anything like that ever again? Do you still have a desire for that? I I do, but I think that the that the social media landscape has changed so much that I I don't think the kind of content that I was creating would be would have the same effect on people. And honestly, I just don't want to put the work in it. It's like to make it effective, I I just don't want to put in the work. It's like that's the real honest truth. I'm too lazy for it now. I'm like, nope, I have too much things going on. Back then, back before when I was doing social media, I used to have uh, customer support uh, work online, which meant I had a ton of downtime. And that's honestly why I was so productive in, in social media. I was like, yeah, no, I just have a lot of time to like prep scripts, to create things, to, you know, edit. And then now I just don't have the time for it. It's it's that simple. But I do have an idea for a podcast that I want to start creating. Uh, and I've been like starting to develop it a little bit. So hopefully in here, maybe like a month, I'll have something like prepped and ready to go. What do you think you, uh, maybe, or do you want to say like what you're thinking or? Uh, so it's a, it's a, it's a podcast. Or you're going to be Hollywood and be like, not secrets. Uh, uh, sorry. No, it's like the, the script is still in production. We can't talk about it. It's like, talk I have about an NDA. no it's it's, it's a podcast about uh talking about passion like that's my concept so far i still have to develop it a little bit more because i've i've been hearing about people talking about like oh well if you do what you love you'll never work a day in your life it's like you have to be passionate about what you do and like i've never felt that i've had so many different works in my life or so many different jobs in my life very rarely have I felt something that I've been like, oh, I'm really passionate about that. It's like, no, I, I make this, I like this. I enjoy it sometimes, but at the end of the day, I'm doing this because I need to pay rent. I need to buy a Nintendo Switch. I need to do whatever the hell I want with it. But uh, very rarely have I found something that I'm like, oh yeah, no, I'm passionate about this. And so I would love to explore that concept with people who are really passionate who like exude that energy of passion and so that's that's what i'm going for i'm, I'm gonna be trying to talk to people who i can see are really passionate about things and see where that passion actually comes from how it develops to help other people because i know 
for a fact that a lot of people right now, especially now during COVID times, are lost. And they're not sure what to do or they're stuck in a dead-end job or they are just wanting to do something but not finding the energy or not finding uh, the drive to do things. Meanwhile, some other people are like flourishing and they're like, oh, I've been baking bread for the last nine months. So I'd like to explore that concept of like passion and where it comes from and, and what really like what do people actually do with it also i want to know somebody that's still break uh baking bread you know you bought your 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 bread maker because of the pandemic and we're indoors we're gonna make our own bread the stores are empty are you still baking bread because i doubt it i doubt it we threw ours I out never, a long time ago <laughs> i i never bake bread uh because luckily and we'll talk about this a little bit more, but luckily for us, we haven't had COVID here. Like, we've been scot-free. I mean, life has been normal for the last year, and it's in in a lot of ways weird seeing the world burning around you. And I feel like that little dog from like the from like the web comic just being like, "This is fine. This is fine. Everything's okay. Everything's okay. Yes. Like, Every, everything's okay here. Sorry." <laughs> I do want to no, talk I about didn't. that more, but before you bring us down into a mood, <laughs> before YouTube pushes us down and says, no, you're going to be suppress- suppressed, I want to talk about fun stuff first. <laughs> no, Yay. Uh, um, fake happiness, or what is it called? Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> There's a there's a UK. new term nowadays that people have been using, especially around like toxic work, where it's like where you have to fake your happiness. Especially nowadays, oh. it's been more like I don't know what the word is. I can't think of it, but that's what it is. Like where it's like I, I've... like where it's like everything's good, right? Everything's good. It's like yeah, everything's good, but really inside you're like. Oh. In, inside of you're just dead. Yeah, yeah. there's a word for it. And I, if I can think of it, I'll pop, plop it up. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see it. If you're only listening to us on on audio, then sorry. But I, and I can look it up, but this is too hard, too fast. We don't check facts. Um, we don't check facts. It's like uh, Donald Trump didn't check facts. Why would we? And now we're definitely <laughs> suppressed. <laughs> Um, so anyways, well, I don't know where I was going with all that, but, um, <laughs> where to go? You were going you, too hard, too fast. You went too hard, too fast. You definitely pulled the warm, uh, a worm on me and threw me off the rails and I have no idea where I was going to go before we started talking we were, about the pandemic. Yeah, we were, we were talking about, uh, baking bread. Baking bread. No, uh, no, I, I have not had any weird, uh, new... What do you got, new hobbies or anything? I, I didn't learn anything during the pandemic. Like, I'm one of those people. <laughs> I didn't, I learned nothing. Um, I learned but, that however, I'm, I'm okay being a recluse. Like, I'm really okay with being a recluse. I learned that I really loved my girlfriend and that I was very lucky to have her with me because I saw people struggling on their own. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, we're just, here chilling together 
watching Netflix and just talking crap. Is, is she standing in front of you, listening? It's okay. Blink twice if you're not okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, that, no, that's she's, definitely she's, lucky. That, I mean, that's the best proof. That, like, if you can like get yeah. stuck indoors with your significant other, uh, other, other, you can also have an other. Um, hello, mother. Hello, father. Here I am in Camp Granada. Um, and not drive yourselves crazy. I mean, we did. Uh, My wife and I, we, drive, we drove ourselves crazy. But it did help that we kind of liked being around each other. It, it yeah. does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I saw so many people break up during, like, the lockdowns here. And we didn't even have it that bad. But it's I saw people break up. I saw people get together. I saw people who ended up like, all right, yeah, no, cool. We've been dating for, like, two weeks. But we survived quarantine, so we're getting married. I'm like, mm, well, all right. Like, oh, yeah, congratulations. Wow. Getting married. I was like, like, okay. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. No, no, no we, we got really lucky. Like, we we hang, we we match each other's energy very well. And so we, it's it's just very fun, honestly, being with my fiance. It's, it's fantastic. So I got really lucky. But, yeah. <laughs> so before we consider this COVID talk and this pandemic talk, um, we, Bring I, us have back. To, I have to, yeah, I have to mention like you're from Honduras, uh, born and raised, born and raised, born and raised. You did travel into the U S for work. What kind of work did you do in the U S? Uh, well, I, I mostly traveled to the U S for fun, honestly. Uh, my life has been a series of travels. So Through I, a migrant caravan or an airplane? Oh, if only. Like, no, I had to pay my way. It sucked. Um, but no, I, I used to travel a lot for because I volunteered with an organization called CISV mainly. Uh, so we used to do camps for, for children and for youths from 10 years old to like 18 years old. And so I would volunteer with them as a leader. Uh, so every summer for like, I think, what, maybe six years, I traveled somewhere in the world with a delegation of children. Uh, and we would go to a camp where other delegations from other parts of the world would get together and we would live together for three to four weeks uh, doing activities and talking about it, you know, developing different topics like conflict resolution or uh, intercultural awareness or, you know, that sort of thing. And so that's that's how I got to see a lot of the world, honestly. It's, it was thanks to those kinds of trips. Um, but but with was the, it, in the U.S., Sorry, because yeah. when, when we first talked a long time ago, when you first told me you were going to Cincinnati, I had the thought that you were doing it as like a, like a spiritual retreat or something religious in that, along along those lines or something. Like CISV definitely sounds like a cult when you look at it very closely. <laughs> it's like we've got we've got our, our leader, we've got our songs. We've got our rituals. It's like it, it definitely qualifies as a cult. This is a very open secret in our organization where we're like, no, yeah, CSV is definitely a cult, man. It's like, like even if we qualify. It's like it's, it's a cult. Sorry. So you're like um, the Tom Cruise of the organization. Yeah. Like that, that's who I am. I'm Tom Cruise. <laughs> Mission Impossible, baby. <laughs> But yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun, man. It, it was it was interesting to get to travel the world and get to meet people. And uh, 
well, bringing it back to Snapchat, that is literally why I started doing Snapchat. I had so many friends around the world that I, it was hard for me to keep in touch with them. And then when I started creating content, they were my first audience. It was just people from Norway, America, uh, from Europe, Asia, whatever. And it was just all these people who first started me off of being like, oh, like, look, my friend's making this and he's really funny or he makes really good art. Like, here, like, you should follow him. And that's how my first audience was built. It was through friends and word of mouth. Man, that is, that is pretty cool. I'm very lucky because very few people get to travel the world and get paid for it also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, very few people just get to uh, not travel the world or get to travel yeah. the world. I think I said that wrong. Uh, did you have to get like a working visa to, to travel or to stay? Or you wouldn't stay that long? No, Your trip no long. I, yeah. I wouldn't stay that long. And since it wasn't technically working, it was more like a volunteering position, then it was all fine. You just you would just get a tourist visa and then that would be fine. Oh, okay, okay. So am I wrong? You never got paid for it? It was just volunteer? No, no. It, it was all volunteer-based. So you your payment was the trip. Was like, oh, okay, okay. Here you go. Your payment is here. We pay for your plane ticket. Like between the, the delegations, usually four children, so their parents pay for your ticket, and then you are in charge of not letting them die for three or four weeks. <laughs> so there you go. That's your payment. Go have fun protecting children. And the meals were included? Yeah, yeah. Everything's included. Like, basically, we live at a campsite for all that time. Uh, so depending on the age group, it just kind of varies a little bit. Like, for the 10, 11-year-olds, for example, we do most of the things. It's like we cook. Or if you go to a really fancy campsite, then you have the cooking staff. Um, for as they grow older, you give them a little bit more responsibility. For example, uh, the 13, 14 year old, they start planning some of the activities. We give them that space for them to make it their camp. Uh, by the time they get to 17, 18 year old, they, we have a program that's called Seminar Camp, which basically uh, we as leaders hand off the camp to them and so this is like their graduation present where it's like okay you're here for three weeks uh you got to figure out the name of the camp you got to figure out what the theme is going to be you're going to have to plan activities every single day for three weeks and you have to plan new things uh so it, it they gain entirely control for the for the camp and it's it's amazing because most of these kids have grown up in the system uh, so they already know how to run an activity. They already know what's expected of them and some don't. And so it's, it's nice to have that fusion of, of people working together, some who know, some who don't, and everybody learning at the same time. So it's pretty cool. It's, it's, it's nice. And I, I, like, I loved it. I loved being a part of it for oof, 20 years almost. Wow. That's a long time. Yeah. So what got you, what got you to Vietnam? Uh, in part that, uh, so back when I was working with a company in the U.S., because I would work remotely, so the company was in the U.S. and I was in Honduras, and we we would make these these company retreats uh, once a year during the summer, and it, it it just got me a little bit traveling all over the world and extra travel around the world when where I was looking for a new place to live. Like every camp that I did, I would be like, 
stay two days extra and just go around, look at pricings, look at everything, cost of living. Um, and then the company I was working for basically told me like, look, we want to set up a project in Asia. It's like, we want to move our operations from here to Asia and see if there's a market for it over there. And I was like, oh, cool. And it just kept in, I kept it in the back of my mind. So, so I did the camp, I did a camp at Michigan City, Indiana, where I met my now fiance. Uh, and we really hit it off and it was all cool and everything. I was uh, part of the staff and she was uh, a leader for the Vietnamese delegation. So we really hit it off. Uh, we end the camp and we keep talking throughout that year. And she invites me the following year to a camp here in Vietnam. And so I came here. I said, like, yeah, like, I've never been to Asia. Like, hell yeah, I'll go. Uh, so we came to here to Vietnam, did a little camp. And uh, we really hit it off and we fell in love. And then my company was like, hey, remember that project in Asia? Like, can we run it or something? I was like, can it be anywhere in Asia? <laughs> I was like, they were like, yeah, it doesn't matter as long as you're in Asia. Like, we just need somebody like in the time zone setting everything up. I was like, can it be in Vietnam? <laughs> I was like, yeah, sure. I was like, yeah, sure. Again, we don't care where it is. And I was like, okay. And so I was like, I had come to Vietnam that summer and it had been fantastic. It was like, I felt safe here. I felt like everything was really nice, that the environment was very different to what I was used to. And so I decided to make the move and it just all kind of worked out, luckily. <laughs> so yeah, that is, that, well, that is like the perfect, like everything falling into place the way it should. Yeah. It, it literally just like all just clicked into place at the right moment. Because with my with my girlfriend back then, uh, she didn't want to do long distance. She was like, "Look, I've never I've I've done long distance. I it's never worked for me." I was like, "Yeah, I've done it too, and it ended up terribly." But how about we do it again? And so so she she gave me an ultimatum. I was like, "No, but you have to fucking come back here at some point." I was like, "All right, I'll be back there in six months." And then I ended up moving here. Uh, what maybe? four months five months after we started uh, dating and it worked out wait so you said your your girlfriend back then by saying back then you mean because now she's your fiance now she's my fiance okay okay i was thinking oh you're talking about somebody different and so i was like where <laughs> which girlfriend <laughs> i moved she, here for a girl she still in front and of you? she dumped she me <laughs> she did ask me like hey can i be on the podcast i'm like if you wake up I'm like, hmm. All right. Hey, if she's down, she's down. I'm, I'm down. Uh, that'd be cool. Um, Again, it, it would be if she wakes up for him. It's like, if you see this after, honey, hi, you didn't wake up on time. <laughs> I shook you. I like <laughs> tap. I was like, I did that to my wife the other day. She was like, I was like, hey, I'm leaving. Well, actually, I go nicely first. I will. I didn't, I didn't violently just shake her. I go, I went, I was like, hey. Hey, I'm leaving. Cause usually I'll let her know when I'm leaving. Uh, nothing, and I'll, I'll play with her feet. Uh, Cause that usually wakes her up. Um, nothing. So then I start violently shaking her. <laughs> I'm leaving, and I don't want to be too loud because I don't want to get my son. But I'm like, I, I want to let Joe that I'm leaving. <laughs> nothing. So then I start poking her nose. <laughs> Dude, like, for real. At that point. At that point, Jorge, 
she didn't care that you were leaving. Just leave her alone. Yeah, yeah. She was already pretending. She was like, just, just leave, dude. Just leave. I'm, I don't want to. No, not going to happen. Just leave. Pendejo. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was like, okay. She's not waking it up. I was like, okay. I guess I'm, I'm gone. And then I like an hour later, you didn't wake me up. You didn't uh, say goodbye. Like I tried. <laughs> but it's funny. It's always funny whenever she's like in that like deep sleep. Like she, she'll even wake up and have a full conversation with me. There was a moment where she there was a one of those water bugs of big cockroaches, and I don't know. I didn't expect it, and I just like here in Texas they fly. I don't know if they're doing on in Honduras or in Vietnam, but here in Texas. Those cockroaches, they fly. So I just dropped from behind me, like kind of sneak attacked. I went, ah! Like, yeah, 100% screamed out, like, murder. And she goes, what, what's happening? What's, what's going on? I goes, cockroach. And I'm trying to, like, smash it. And I can't, I, I can't get it. And for some reason, she just grabs, like, disinfected spray or something. And she's oh, just God. spraying the heck out of it. Just, like, what is that going to do? Clean it? What is that gonna do? So it's gonna kill it. And I'm like, it's not gonna kill it. And I chase it to the other room. All of a sudden it just goes <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it passed out or died, but I grabbed it, crumpled it and I threw it in the trash can. Just got and really she, high. Yeah, and I go, oh I look at her and she goes, See, it killed it. I was like, I don't know if it killed, but it goes, thank you. So she goes back to sleep. I went to work. Two hours later she texted me and she goes, did we talk today before you leave? We killed a cockroach together. We had a whole event. <laughs> yeah, you yelled at me <laughs> for yelling. <laughs> so, it's brilliant. Yeah, no. That's the whole thing. So, in case she doesn't wake up, uh, for next time, we'll have you on. <laughs> Were you afraid? Wait, what if things didn't work out? And I knock on wood. I don't want to mess anything up, you know, jinx it. <laughs> Still could not work out. <laughs> but uh, I got but, a uh, rock in her finger, but that's not a done deal. You never know. I mean, I yeah, I, you never. I may have to go back to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> no, senor. <laughs> <laughs> also, speaking of which, I did want to mention. Um, you don't have an accent, you know, for is Spanish being your first language. I, I have an accent when I want to have an accent. I, I, it's like, if I want to sound like this, I can, <laughs> but I don't. I, it, it started a long time ago when, when, mostly when I was first learning English, I think. But even before that, uh, I just liked messing around with accents and just voices and, and doing all kinds of weird stuff. And... Uh, and, and it just kept going from there. But the, the the biggest push that I remember was one of the first times that I went to the U.S., my mom would constantly ask me to translate for her. And I was like, I, I was maybe five, six, seven years old. Like, I didn't have speaking skills. But she would be like, what does it say? I'm like, I don't know. And it, so that got into me that I needed to become better at English because clearly my parents weren't going to learn any of it uh but 
it, it just got to a point where I, I realized I never I didn't have an accent anymore because I would just hear things on TV and I would just like parrot them back. And I got really good with accents, which which kind of segued into uh, now. Luckily, now that I'm in Vietnam, it has segued into voiceover work, for example. But so it's it's always very fun, especially when I used to work customer support, just like putting on different voices for people and, and just screwing around with them. Because somebody would call in and it'd be like, oh, hi, uh, hello, uh, talk about customer support. How can I help you? And it'd be like, oh, well, I was talking to this man last time. Uh, and like, could I talk to him again? And like, oh, well, what's what's their name? Uh, and they're like, oh, Aaron. And I'll be like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, I'm sorry, we have a couple of errands here. Uh, where was, do you remember anything about him? Uh, anything about his accent or where he was from? It was like, oh yes, uh, he was British. And I'd be like, oh, okay, thank you. Just a moment. Hello, darling. Uh, how can I help you? <laughs> I would just screw around with people. It was, I, I would always be like, oh, Leah, like, who were you talking to? I'm sorry, who was it from? And it was me. It was always me. <laughs> I was literally the only person working customer support. And I'd just be like, Yes, hello. Welcome to Toka Broad. How can I help you? Uh, it's just I would just screw around with people. I'm like, hello, welcome. How can I help you? Do you have a problem with your computer? Okay. We fix. And so it's it's been my thing for the longest time that I can remember. Like even for me, if I could have one like my dream job, let's say it would be to be a voiceover actor in a TV show or in a cartoon or something like that. Cause I, I find it such an interesting thing, making voices and accents and just becoming someone else for that little bit of time. And I, like, I find it so interesting for me. I distinctly remember watching Mrs. Doubtfire when I was a kid and watching Robin Williams do that whole scene where he was doing the voice acting. I was like, that to me, is still burnt into my brain. And I'd be like, one day I would love to do that. It would be like, that would be excellent. Do you, um, did you guys get a lot of uh, English, um, American television in, in Honduras? We did. We did, man. It was like we had, because my parents had cable. And so we would get HBO, Cinemax, and all that shit. And so like I would. Without, without it being dubbed over? Like without it being dubbed yeah, over? No. We would get we would get uh, without dubs just the subtitles, and so that's how I really got really good at, at listening and, and parroting voices, for example. So that's why I don't have an accent. So when people here ask me like, "Oh, like teacher, you don't have an accent, but you come from a Spanish speaking country," I'm like, "Yeah, I just watched a lot of TV," and they're like, "But how can I get my kid to be better at it?" I'm like, I just watched a lot of TV. I don't have any tips for you. Sorry, read. Um, but You're I, for me, YouTube, TV uh, worked. BLI, PPI, Blippi, you know. Like, <laughs> sorry. Know. Like, people don't uh, believe me when I tell them that because they're like, oh, like, no, it can't be just TV. Like, school must have been a part of it. I'm like, no, because I have people who went to school with me who speak like these very choppy. I'm like, so, like, it clearly wasn't just school. It's like, I, I had to draw from somewhere. Yeah, kind of like mimicking something and then just, it just stays in you. Like muscle memory. Just doing it's, it. It's all muscle. Yeah. So, right? Exactly. I don't know. It was just enough. repeating and repeating. It was just repeating and repeating until I got it right. And so like it was, 
it was just that it was just pure stubbornness on my part to be like i don't want to sound uh like i have an accent let me try and do it and that's how i felt like i felt like i always try to get rid of my mexican accent and then it comes out more and more more and more as that whiskey hits the more of that accent comes out so you know eventually as we get longer in this podcast i'll start sounding sounding more like uh or say, uh, can I cash my check here? Um, 20 minutes from now? Orale! Hey, vato! Chingao! But no, so I like, but it really, mine stemmed from like people saying, like kind of judging me for, for the accent and kind of already making me feel like different or less than. Yeah. And so I wanted to like make sure like my accent was like at least gone for most that i can say like i don't know like there's the cat you were talking about there's the cats <laughs> we're speaking accents I mean, be part of part of it yeah like uh, we don't speak language screw you <laughs> um so vietnam like uh going into vietnam how is that uh i think there's gunshots outside or fireworks i'm surprised America. we haven't heard that I'm surprised we haven't heard the paletero coming through or the the, the candy man. Um, anyways, moving to Vietnam, what is that? Obviously, there has to be like some kind of culture shock because it's completely different from what you know from Honduras. I know you've traveled, but it's, it, was it? Hey, two H two efforts. I think this is where we're gonna pause the conversation here for Tuesday. Remember, Aron is gonna join us. On Thursday, we're gonna still be wearing the same clothes. You know how we do it. We probably shower. We probably didn't. We're getting serious in the thir- Thursday episode. We talk about the pandy. We still talk about our countries where we're originally from. I'm from Mexico. He's from Honduras. You know, we got some culture in us. We're bringing to you some different perspectives. So, with that said, Warm, you're not here to close it out with your last thing with your last words. But, Aron, what do you got to say? Damn it, Jorge. You can't just tell people to come into your podcast and, like, just fucking do it. (laughs) (laughs) And with that said, dinner for you, dinner for you. We'll see you guys on Thursday. I don't think I can even talk it. That was awesome. See you guys on Thursday. Bye. Está loco.